Father God, we come to you again, Lord. Thankful to be in your house, Lord God. Thankful to sing praises to you, Lord God. Father, we do pray that uh, through the heaviness of the hearts of the people tonight, Lord God, that you would have your word, Lord God. Father, that it would be delivered, Lord God. That it would still go to the heart, Lord, and do that which you have purposed, Lord. And again, we lift all situations to you, Lord. We ask that your hand be upon everyone, Lord God. Upon this community, Lord. Father, we do ask all this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I do have to say that it was putting the message together as uh, just seems like a battle. Um, putting together, then hearing about the situation, the accident, just, again, more frustration, more uh, pressure. So I've titled uh, tonight's message, The Ability to Judge Well in in Spiritual Warfare. The Ability to Judge Well in Spiritual Warfare. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 reads, For though we, we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts, exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I jotted a little note down. It says, there is a spiritual warfare Involved with today's event, but not without discernment. Amen? There still needs to be a discernment that takes place, an ability to judge well when we go into spiritual warfare. Um, No one promised you when you gave your life to the Lord when you entered the, uh, the Christianity world that we know, no one promised you a bed of roses. No, no one promised you or told you that everything is going to be all right, that everything is going to be perfect, that nothing will come your way. Um, ask many of the families that sit here in this church in New Hope, 
And if someone did tell you that, they were telling you a story. They were telling you a lie. They were feeding you uh, a gospel that is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, You were not drafted into the army of God, but you actually enlisted. You actually enlisted. I myself enlisted into the army of God. We know that there is a new form of Christianity out there that is the me, my, me, my, my, I gospel that is all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's all about uh, no struggles, no pain. But in reality, the Christianity that we are called to live is a sacrificial Christianity. It's sacrificing of ourselves, amen? It's a sacrificing of herself is what it is. Truly, you can't have your way and his way. Okay? We can't have it our way and then also his way. There is a, a choice. There is a way. Actually, the word of God says there is a way that seems right to the man, but the end thereof is death. So, Again, we need to zero in on that and realize that uh, we have enlisted in the army of God. There is a warfare that will take place. We are called to make war, but at the same time, there must be an ability to judge spiritual warfare. When you enlisted into, uh, when they enlist in the service, uh, I hear young people all the time at school tell me, oh, I'm going to go into the Marines, or I'm going to go into the service. And so when they do enlist and they do go in, I, I always find it humorous, and sometimes I'll even say things to them because they can't even take directives from an educator. So I don't know what they're going to do when that drill instructor or that drill sergeant is in their face inches from them, breathing and slobbering in their face. However, they say they're going to enlist. When you do enlist into the service, and I've never been into the service, I've watched plenty of movies, and I'm sure it's not just like that in the movies, uh, but some movies probably portray it uh, very close to being realistic. I have talked to individuals before that have um, enlisted. But when you do that, you eat what they tell you to eat, when they tell you to eat it, and what they tell you to eat, and how much of it. It's not like you're necessarily going to go back for seconds. They tell you how to dress, and how to not dress, and when to dress, and what you're wearing. You don't necessarily get to choose to dress the trend. Their trend is what they give you. And actually, it's from socks, skivvies to the outside. They, they tell you how to speak and how to not speak. When to speak and when to not speak. Everything that they do, they tell you when you're going to sleep, when you're going to get up, when you're not going to sleep, how long you're going to sleep, and maybe you won't sleep when you enlist. So you can see... 
when I said something earlier about having it your way and God's way, and here we're speaking of somebody who in the natural have, has enlisted into the service or into the army, it's not their way. It's actually the military's way. It's the way that they are passing it on to you as an enlisted individual. Now, spiritual warfare is not about fighting Satan or attacking demons. It is about drawing closer to God and removing everything that opposes his will in us and leading others to do the same. I want to read that again. Spiritual warfare is not about fighting Satan or attacking demons. No, it is. It is about coming against the enemy, fighting the enemy. However, it is about drawing closer to God and removing everything that opposes his will and in us and leading others to do the same. It's simply having discernment. What is discernment? It's the ability to judge well. It's the ability to judge well. That's what discernment is. Now, spiritual discernment is knowing what God knows and having the mind of God. So we know that discernment in the world is judging well. We don't want to just judge well, but we actually want spiritual discernment. We want to know what God knows and have the mind of God. Amen? We want that. Now, there is a reason I'm saying that, because the soldier that has enlisted into the service or into the military is learning to fight a war, learning to do battle. Given the military's way, in a sense, it's the same with God when we enter uh, this thing called Christianity, we know that we are to become a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we know that, um, just like with the situation that's going on right now, we're called to the front line. We're called to make spiritual warfare. Uh, this morning, when uh, the one song come on that Dana was talking about, and they were saying, um, it, it said, make war. And they were talking about, I plead, I plead, I plead the blood. But I'm sure that in the natural, that the military is teaching the good soldier of Jesus, or excuse me, the good soldier or the soldier, the proper technique of doing battle, of doing war. Knowing the weapons of warfare. Knowing how to use those weapons. Knowing when to use those weapons. So if I say, or we agree with one another that spiritual discernment is knowing what God knows and having the mind of God, and we know that then in the natural, in the, in the world, that just having discernment is the ability to judge well, we're hoping that that soldier, when in, in battle has a plan of action that's passed down from his superior rather than just going off into whatever he wants to do. 
again, lining up with what I just mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily our way, but his way. Now, Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. We must learn how to listen. We must learn how to listen. I'm thinking now of that soldier in the natural that enlisted. And I'm thinking about many of my students have said, I'm going into the service, I'm going into the Marines, or I'm going into the Navy. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're not good listeners. They really don't have good listening skills. And again, I find it humorous to think about when they're going to be told what to do and when to do it and how to do it and how many times to do it. Because they're not good listeners. But guess what? In the spiritual realm, many times we are not good listeners. Amen? We're not. We're not good listeners. Many times we're way too busy. We're way too busy. Waiting and listening can be a difficult thing to learn. We are so used to this go, go, go lifestyle that we live today. So we know in Psalms 46.10 it says, Be still. Have peace and know that I am God. Now, think of those who are now enlisted in the, the service. Think of how uh, we live our lives on a daily basis. And then think about how drastic of a change it is for them when they enter the military. Now, um, I don't know this, but I, I, do, I do know this because a young man that is in this church, recently started coming to me to get his hair cut. And uh, he's going to enter the military here in a few months, in 2018. And of course, who, whoever the person is that's enlisting them and working with them right now, they are, um, of course, they, they made, f- not fun of him, but ha- had a little fun with him, um, telling him what he looked like after I was done with his hair, okay? Because I was making him trend, giving him style, putting a certain look in his head. And he liked it. They told him it's not going to matter here in a few months because it's all coming off. So I think that's the beginning, okay, of getting rid of the world, right? When you... It's like, here you're not going to tell them. It's coming off. There's no choice. I think it might have been worse in the, um, in the 60s and 70s when, when long hair was in and, you just, and it was just all coming off, okay? But it's the beginning of stripping you of what you are or what you were and getting in line with what they want. And we can parallel that with getting in line with what God wants in our lives. Amen? And, 
And again, we have to line this up with this in a spiritual sense. In a spiritual sense. We cannot engage in spiritual warfare until we are first aware of God and what God wants in our lives. And what God is telling us to do at that perfect time. Amen? At that perfect time. Now, I don't mean aware that he exists. Because, see, we're way beyond that. We, as Christians, as people who sit at New Hope, we're way beyond just knowing that God exists. I mean aware of him and what he is speaking and doing in the moment. In that very moment. See, in the military, I do believe that they need to know what to do in the very moment. In that very, very moment. That's why probably when they walk in and shake up the, and I, I'm, again, I'm taking some of this from, from movies. Shake up the barracks. And lights on. Get up. And they might have just got shut eye. Maybe been in bed an hour. But what are they to do in the very, very moment? Because they can't think about it. Because their very life is at stake and the life of lives of others if they have to think about it. They need to know what to do. They need to know what the military expects of them. What their uh, commanding officer wants them to do at that very, very, very moment. They didn't know what the commandments are of their, uh, of their superior officer in that very moment. Judges 15, verse 16 says, And Samson said with the jawbone of a donkey, Upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey have I slain a thousand men. His weapon, a jawbone of the donkey. Where did he get the knowledge in that very moment to use a jawbone of a donkey? I don't believe it was his knowledge. It wasn't him. God is the one that's given him the knowledge to use a jawbone of a donkey. Can you imagine us with a jawbone of a donkey? We would look like a donkey. But not if God told us to use the jawbone of the donkey. Amen? See, what happens is, again, we would, we would probably be swinging that thing, trying to do it in our own power and in our own strength and our own mind, rather than knowing the will and the heart and the mind of God at that very, very moment. Amen? At that very moment. First Samuel 17, verse 40. David. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, uh, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Five smooth stones. Again, why five smooth stones? What is going to be our five smooth stones? Are we going to have the mind of God, the knowledge of God, 
Or are we going to know exactly what to do in that very, very, very moment? Because, see, it is about spiritual warfare, but it's also knowing the spiritual, having the spiritual warfare that's going to take place, but doing it with the mind of God. Amen? Now, no act of spiritual warfare will ever be effective if it is not in line with the will of God. It's not going to be effective if it's not in line with the will of God. If it's not of God, it's, it's not going to do anything. It has no purpose. If we don't know the will of God in a given moment, we cannot accomplish anything worthwhile in the lives of ourselves or other people. We may end up opposing the will of God and then our human spirit has just become a setup against the knowledge of God. Our own human spirit has become a setup against the knowledge of God. The very thing we use the weapons of warfare against. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 44. If you can pop that up on the screens. 1 Samuel 17:44. It says, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I don't know about you, okay? But if someone was barking that out to me, okay, now, I'd be, the flesh, okay, would probably be like, really? And sometimes what happens is the, the flesh, because see, we don't know the real situation, the flesh will speak lies, to you. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, the reason I said that a minute ago was if someone was barking something like that out at me, Actually have only in modern terms, okay? And, and the flesh rose up. Well, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. Why didn't the Spirit of God rise up? See, David, excuse me. David had a choice here, right? When he spoke that, he had a choice. Now, some of you are sitting out there right now. I don't know what you're thinking, but come on. You and I both know that if someone speaks out against you, you, not, you do not necessarily all of a sudden jump to the spirit realm, okay? So you can't sit out there and be holier than thou right now when in fact you know you're guilty, okay? Guilty, yes. Thank you, Troy. Guilty. But, 
But we're reading here what David did say. He said, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said the right thing. Because it wasn't his world, okay, but it was God's world at that point in time, amen? It was God's world. So, as I go on and read... This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was... When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So, that, so David prevailed over the Philistine with his sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him but there was no sword in the hand of David therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him cut off his head with it and then and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead they fled now can you do you think there was a personal struggle with David at all? I don't know. I think there might have been a personal struggle. Okay? Um, 1724 says, uh, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And we know that David was... But a youth? David was but a youth. So you don't think that seeing all these men flee, that there wasn't a battle going on in the mind? I think there was a personal struggle taking place with David. I think there was some fear there. Fear many times will have you act really before you think. And see, now what we're asking is before there's warfare, a spiritual warfare, there is actually a knowing of the mind of God. Amen? Knowing what God wants in that very, very moment. David knew what God wanted in that very moment. And again, God equipped him with the right weapons of warfare. Notice that it did say that David didn't have a sword. He didn't have a sword. But he had five stones and he had a sling. John 5 Verse 30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. 
because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. When you look at the full context of this verse, Jesus is speaking um, of the ultimate judgment at the white throne. He's saying uh, that it is the Father that decides, meaning simply we need to let go of ideas, of retaliation, of judging, of self-motivation. We need to let go of all of that. Jesus is saying that nothing he spoke or did as a human in his ministry on earth came from him, but it all came from the Father. It all came from the Father. So why, when we do spiritual warfare, would we want anything of our own mind, of our own heartbeat, of our own retaliation, of our own thought process, of our own self-motivation. Why would we want that? Philippians 1.9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And in all judgment. We talked earlier about Judging well. The ability to judge well. This is love that leaps out from us towards others. And it's motivated by a long-term commitment. It's not a short-term thing. It's a long-term commitment. Think about false discernment. Think about judging but but judging falsely false discernment can be based on judging others it can also be based on mistrust suspicion and fear and fear Think about David earlier if he acted out of fear when everyone else fled. But he said, I don't come to you with any of that, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. There's always coldness in false discernment. It may, may be packaged in love, may look like love, but it never truly comes from love. The coldness of false discernment cannot see past the outside of a person or the situation, and it pre- pretends to know the inside. Here's an example. We so easily judge by the outward appearance. And again, we can't all sit out there and be like, you may do that, Lenny, but I don't do that. It's okay that the world does that because they do. They aren't living in the grace of God. They're not born again. They're not Christians. That's what they do. We are not in the world, so it's not okay for us to judge 
on the outside or by the appearance only. So, here's what I want you to do. Think about this. There's a biker. See him pull up, gets off his bike, has jeans on, leather vest, tats everywhere. And not just not nice looking tats, and not these pretty tats, just tats everywhere. Piercings. I've seen them here, and they go here, and then they go hanging down like, where does that thing go? Think about that. Piercings, long hair, a goat, black gloves, fingers out. You're thinking, who do you think you are? You're bad to the bone, don't you? You see this guy at night, and you have a certain feeling. If you're a female, you have a certain feeling of fear. You might be a dude, you, you have a feeling of fear. You have this immediate impression of the dude, right? You've got it all figured out. You know exactly what he's about. Now, how about this? Think of this guy. Clean-shaven, close-cut hair, dressed as a professional, nice shoes, has a charming smile. He gives you a certain feeling also. But it's more about admiration. It's more about Nice impression. This guy's got it together. Positive individual. Must be a successful businessman. Right? Ever been there? Ever done that? Come on. The first man that I described is attending a ministry and is making a difference in the bikers' lives as he also takes part in, a compa- in compassion ministries, giving toys to kids at Christmas and feeding the homeless. So he already knew what he was about. He thinks he's bad. He's a punk. He's probably, who knows what he's done. Just because of what he looked like, right? We already knew what he was on the inside. The second man I did describe is the gunman who just killed 59 and wounded over 450 people. We didn't see that one coming, did we? He was successful. Hit planes, lots of money, tree dressed nice, probably had that charming smile. And we judged him. We knew what was doing on the inside, but we didn't. Outward appearances do not tell the whole story. They're false standards by which 
we think we know reality. There's this saying, to believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you see. Have you heard that? Yeah. Wrap this all up in the spiritual realm. John 7, 24 says, Judge not accordingly to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. The ability to judge well in spiritual warfare. To know what to do in the very, very moment of warfare. To know what to pray about, when to pray about it, how to pray about it, what weapons to use, what to tear down, what to bring before God. Right judgment can only come from Christ and knowing his heart and the mind of God. And earlier, I said, spiritual discernment is knowing what God knows and having the mind of God. And having the mind of God. And knowing what to do in that very moment. If we cannot pray in love for a person or, or the church, we cannot presume to have true discern, discernment. We cannot say that we have true discernment, spiritual discernment. Discernment, true discernment comes out of abounding love. If our prayer is vindictive, if it's bitter, if it's judgmental, There's no love and therefore no discernment in the situation. If we cannot get past the outward appearance of something, how can we ever have this discernment to know the working of the spirits in a person or situation? Love precedes peace. Peace precedes perception. Without love and without peace... Our judgment of things and people will be overly harsh and of this situation. It'll also be a miss. It'll be without purpose and it'll be crazed. Um, I think about pastor preaching uh, messages before and he talks about I don't he talks about being behind the enemy's lines could you imagine a soldier in the natural just running to the enemy's camp no that would be total chaos there has to be a plan so it's the same way in the spiritual realm, when we're doing spiritual warfare, there has to be a plan. It has to be God's plan. There is a way to pray. There are things to pray about. There are things to bring. To, there are things to bind. False discernment is always slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. False discernment is always slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. 
Read the scripture in Psalms where it said, be still and know I am God. When we're still, when we're still, there's a peace. There's a peace that comes over us. Think about it. I've heard people say, when there's been room for people, and all of a sudden everyone's going, you go, Because it's still. It's quiet. Be still and know that I'm God. And that's when we hear God. Matthew 12, verse 34 says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Life as we know it is based upon the condition of our heart. This is critical because the gifts of the Spirit and the voice of God in us flows through our heart before being presented to the world around us or to the people around us. Think about that. Life as we know it is based upon the condition of our heart. What's the condition of your heart tonight? It's critical because the gifts of the Spirit and the voice of God in us flows through our heart before ever being given to those around us or to to the world around us. Amen? It's true. So, it's really put this way. If our hearts aren't right, then our presentation of the gifts of God, the presentation of of the gifts of the Spirit, and even our perception of the Spirit will not be right. It won't be right. Can you imagine? Well, I'm sure you can imagine because we might have just went through something like that, but uh, our, our armed forces, our armed services, those that are protect us, to keep us, Or just out there doing whatever with whatever they have rather than what is given to them by the military. So it would be the same for us. We're just doing whatever we want to do, self-motivation, speaking whatever, not using what God has given us, but the gifts that God has given us, the spirit. When this happens, we'll not be effective and may not even find ourselves on the right side of spiritual warfare. I'm going to tell you, we want to be on the right side of spiritual warfare. I think the families in this community with a situation that just took place today want us on the right side of spiritual warfare today. Amen? So tonight when we pray, we want to be on the right side of spiritual warfare. When our heart does not have peace and it's full of chaos or unrest, it simply can't hear the voice of God. So therefore, if it can't hear the voice of God, then it can't know the mind of God in that very moment of whatever's going on in your life or my life or the lives 
of other people. If our heart is bitter or angry or ambitious or harboring strife, we cannot trust our judgment. We must reach peace in order to hear God and have his judgment and his discernment. Again, his knowledge, his wisdom, his mind. Again, I'll say, be still and know that I am God. Discernment comes from our sensitivity to Christ in the spiritual realm. Number one, it's motivated by love. It's revealed through peace in our hearts. It's maintained by a poised and waiting attitude towards God. And all of, the, all of this is that we may know his mind and have the heart of God before we go into spiritual warfare. So, as I close... Come back to the message title. It says, The Ability to Judge Well in in Spiritual Warfare. Off to the right is my notes, which I did not know that I would have these notes, praying for the Newlands. Family of all those involved. All the student body. All the parents of the student body. I have written down, pray for the counselors. Because counselors are... I'm going to tell you, like last week, when we had someone in our school pass away, a young man. I mean, you wouldn't believe the emails that I was getting, and I was getting these emails from counselors. And then, of course, we're sending them to the school counselors. I'm not speaking ill of school counselors, but you understand that's all they're going to give them is worldly counsel. They're not giving them godly counsel. So we need to pray for for the counselors that they are getting godly counsel. Amen. So as we bring this message to a close and the lights come down and the booth plays some music. I'm going to read this scripture again. For we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through who? Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are situations in our life. There are strongholds in our life. There's imaginations. There's high things that's exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And God is the one that gives you the mind of God to do what you need to do and pray for what you need to pray for in that very moment. So church, as the booth plays the music, I ask that you just ask God where you are tonight.